You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We don't need a name. We're a team. Your, your name is Team. You're on a tight leash too, bro. Wayne Haskins. Mr. Glass, Carson Wentz, and his offense. Prime time. Damn. Yeah, I love your optimism. I had to get a tall boy for the event. The New York football giants. Deep sleep. Deep, bro. Al Michaels is showing up to work. Nate Solder, get your ass in the building. <laughs> Dude, you should see B. Wills' face right now. He's so giddy. Appreciate being a part of your show, guys. Yes, sir. That was as great as I thought it could be. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of our team previews. Today, we discuss the New York football giants. John, George, I know this is a team that we don't know nearly as much about as our own teams, but I look forward to learning a little bit about something uh, about the Giants today. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to going through the Giants. I learned a lot through these last couple of days, kind of diving in a little bit more to what New York has and really who they're bringing in because as we know, the the coach is gone, new D coordinator, new play caller, a lot of things moving. Uh, but no, I'm excited to talk about this subject. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and any any NFC East team, it seems like you can't sleep on us, right? Because we always we do the the worst to to first often, and uh, even in the even in the bad seasons, these teams will creep up on you and they'll steal a win. Yes, oh, for sure. I know it's been quite a number of years since there was a repeat champion in the NFC East. So a team like the Giants, the Commanders, or the Eagles could easily dethrone the Cowboys. Um, I think a team like the Eagles has been getting a lot of praise thrown on them because of the sexy additions they've had. We'll go over the Eagles next month. But I think the team in the NFC East that has really changed and about face the most is the Giants. Um, I want to start off uh, with their front office. They brought over an assistant general manager from Buffalo. His name is Joe Shane or Joe Schoen. I'm not sure which way to pronounce it, um, but I hear good things about him. Uh, he worked closely with the Buffalo Bills general manager and turning that franchise around once they got the Josh Allen draft pick. And they brought a bunch of friends from Buffalo with them. They've got Brian Dable as their new head coach. He's credited with the reclamation project of Josh Allen. Josh Allen came out of Wyoming, um, and people did not think he was going to develop to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, as he so clearly is now. Dable's credited with that. Uh, offensive coordinator, they're going to roll out Mike Kafka. He came over from Kansas City. He started off as like a quality control coach, Mahomes' rookie year, and then he was the uh, – play caller for uh with eric Bieniemy um underneath andy reed so when you got guys that the pedigree of patrick mahomes and josh allen coming over i think that's going to do miracles for daniel jones how about you guys yeah i mean i think joe judge i mean it was a you know it was a kind of a cute move to pick him up they knew the personality that he had would fit in new york yeah. uh but long term it just didn't make sense to them they weren't getting the w's they wanted they got the veteran garrett out of there uh and now you know they have some new play callers i think that in training camp they're even doing a lot more pre-snap motions to read off or defenses a lot better um you know they're going to try to use the weapons that they have because let's be real Kadarius tony sterling Shepard, and kenny galladay are not slouches guys those no. guys are 
Kenny was one of my favorite receivers. I don't know what happened to him last year, um, but completely fell off. I know we'll get to the receivers later, but I am excited about these new play callers and these, uh, these new additions as far as the personnel goes. What about you, John? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, just speaking to Joe Judge and Dable, um, coming from programs where, um, or at least Dable, where he, he, like Brian said, he reestablished Josh Allen's career. Um, you know, he had a rookie season that wasn't, you know, it left you wanting a little bit based on what he had done in college. Yeah. And he fits that same prototype. Um, you know, Daniel Jones could step up and really have a season here with some of the weapons that they put around him. Um, but then, you know, right in the back seat, they've got Tyrod Taylor that could also run the football and be a physical quarterback, but also get the ball down the field. Tyrod Taylor has shown in the past that he can do that. And I think Daniel Jones too, uh, can, um, you know, with the right play caller. Daniel Jones has all the talent in the world. When he came out of Duke, he's big, fast, strong. We've seen him take off on some of these sneaky, like 60, 80 yard runs. And if he doesn't get eaten up by the turf monster, the kid's got wheels, man. So uh, it's, it's interesting before we, we flip over to the defensive side of the ball and talk about their new D coordinator. I want to uh, start right where you left off, John, and just hop right in on Tyrod Taylor. I want to play a little game of over under with you guys. Okay. If I said right now, over under Tyrod Taylor starts, five games for the Giants this year. George, where are you going with that? First off, if he starts five games for the Giants this year, there's no way that they're in playoff contention. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, with a new regime and their starting quarterback, is how many years does he have left on his contract? Just curious because that has Daniel a lot Jones? to do with it. Is he just tagged? Daniel Jones, this is the last year in his contract. They did not pick last up his, his contract. Yep. <sighs> I'd say under. under. I'm going to okay. go ahead and say under. Yeah. So you're saying under five games? I would under say. five games. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I think mean, I does would... injuries? Are we talking injuries here? No, we can, it, a, a fluke is, injury okay. does not count. I'm saying this okay. will have to be yeah. the result of Daniel Jones playing so poorly as he's done in the past that Brian Dable yanks Daniel Jones, whether it's week five, whether it's week 13, and inserts Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the under two just because I think they want to see, they want to flesh out what they really have with Daniel Jones. Yeah. And and can you really do that in a half of a season, in three quarters of a season? You know, if he's really playing that poorly, uh, at the end of the season, you're looking at a really strong draft class of quarterbacks. So do you want to risk your draft position um, by popping in Tyrod Taylor, who might win you some games here and there down the stretch? Mm-hmm. I think you want to see everything you've got in Daniel Jones before you make that decision. Yeah, I would agree with both you guys. I'd probably set set my own bar um, and, and go under as well. But Tyrod has shown the, the, that guy has gotten such bad breaks in this league from getting an injection in his lungs, and you know that's that kind of jump started Justin Herbert's career. Um, he was. I think with Cleveland, when they drafted Baker Mayfield last year, as horrible as the Houston Texans were, he flashed and won them a few games, even though they were clearly tanking. So I think they're in capable hands. If for some reason, Daniel Jones gets injured or he just does not show any kind of progression in Brian Dable's offense that maybe they could be near 500. But George, I think when you said if he starts over five games that they are not going to be in playoff contention, I think that's a, that's a great point. I want to flip it over now to um, the defensive side of the ball. They they hired uh, 
Don Martindale, better known as Wink Martindale. This was the Baltimore Ravens coordinator for the past few years. Does anyone know why his name is why he goes by Wink? No, I'm just curious. No, nobody knows. It's okay. an interesting, um, interesting nickname for sure. But Wink uh, comes over from Baltimore. <laughs> you guys know anything about Baltimore's defense? I mean, ever since they had Ray Lewis and then Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs, up until recently, this is a team who always um, is up at the top of enforcing turnovers in the league. And Baltimore's defense is aggressive. So I think we'll talk about um, the Giants' weapons that they have on the defensive side of the ball because it is a pretty stout defense. But I think the Martindale um, hire, just like uh, Mike Kafka over Jason Garrett, the clapper, is an upgrade. I think that Martindale over Patrick Graham is an upgrade for the defense as well. Sorry, man. I'm literally looking into why his name's Wink. I love, but, um, no, I, no, I'm glad no, that you didn't. I'm glad you didn't let that go. <laughs> I guess I'll give up on it because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, but I agree um, with the Ravens. Every single year, I think he was, you know, top 15 in sacks. So mm-hmm. I do expect them to maybe do a little, you know, little exotic blitzes. Yeah. Obviously, they have, uh, you know, the tough guy up there in front, Leonard Williams, um, losing James Bradbury. I don't know how big of a loss that was. I don't think he did that great uh, last year, to be honest with you. Um, I know that they obviously just drafted um, Kayvon Thibodeau, which Judd. is an absolute beast. Uh, we'll get into that later, but I did hear that he's no longer in OTAs and he got hurt in oh. OTAs, but I'm sure it's super precautionary. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's an upgrade. I think that their defense honestly was always pretty stout early in the year, uh, for years prior, at least the, you know, in the box, those eight guys in the box were always, always pretty tough, especially playing them in the East. So I, I see there maybe a slight upgrade on defense, but, um, I, I, I never thought that there were, that was their weakness at all. I thought it was, you know, offensive line play. I thought it was Daniel Jones, but this defense don't sleep on these guys. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I do think though, George, that the the loss of James Bradbury is kind of important because in today's NFL, it's a highly pass heavy league, and you have to have corners you can trust. And I don't know who that who it, maybe they did, but I didn't see on their draft class anybody that they drafted that was going to be a plug and play fill in. So they're going to have to it's pop true. somebody up yeah. from within the roster more than likely. And and Bradbury, you know was was at least a plug and play corner that you could trust day in and day out. Yeah. And uh in, in the NFC East you're going to be against some some quarterbacks that can throw the ball downfield, so No, That's for right. sure. And when I mean I the, I mean the the profile or the you know kind of the scattering report on Bradbury, he's more of a zone corner, but the amount of communication that he needs on that back end, I'm sure helped them immensely uh, throughout the year. So definitely a big loss, not only for his athletic ability, because I, th- I think he's in his 30s now, but it's really more on his leadership side. Um, I think he's there. Is he 29? 30? He's got to be a little older, right? I, be- I believe you're correct with his age. Yeah. But Xavier McKinney, who's now in year three, um, had five picks last year, I think fourth in the league, obviously digs with the, with the big 11 picks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree though. I, I think losing a veteran guy like James Bradbury is, is going to be tough to come back from, but that just shows that Kayvon's really got to get pressure on that quarterback to make it easier on the back end. Well, let's Absolutely. dive into it. You alluded to Kayvon Thibodeau, George. Um, let's talk about their draft, and I actually can um, help answer a question because there is a couple uh, DBs um, in this draft as well that I think are going to have to um, come in and play immediately. Um, 
Of course, the number five overall pick, they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau, um, defensive lineman, uh, edge rusher from Oregon. Heard a fun fact, um, other than Alabama, which is one that we would all guess, the University of Oregon is the only team that has had a player drafted in the top 10 in the past three drafts. We had Justin Herbert two years ago, Pinay Sewell, a left tackle that went to the Lions last year, Thibodeau this year. So um, they've got something uh, special cooking other than just the jerseys up there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, they had also the number seven overall pick in the draft. They got that from the Chicago Bears because, as you guys remember last year, the Giants let the Bears trade up so they could get Justin Fields, their franchise quarterback. With that number seven pick, they selected Evan Neal, Offensive tackle from Alabama. I think this kid could have easily went number one. He's an absolute stud. He's going to slide in there and start at right tackle and solidify Daniel Jones' blind spot right away. Mm-hmm. The second round, they drafted Juan Dale Robinson. This is an undersized wide receiver. This kid's like 5'7", maybe 5'8". He, uh, he went to Kentucky. He's a playmaker. He's a speedster. I do know from our friend Travis Schroeder, shout out, friend of the pod, he told me Wandale Robinson started uh, college at University of Nebraska before transferring to Kentucky. So shout out to your Huskers there, Travis. Um, But this kid makes plays. I've already seen in OTAs. He's making some heads turn. So he's going to slide in there with that crowded wide receiver room. We'll talk about the depth at wide receiver here in just a minute. Um, And to recap some other draft picks uh, we can dive into, they took another offensive lineman out of North Carolina, Joshua Ezeudu. That's a hard one to say. Well, uh, they took a corner from LSU in round three, Cordale Flott, a tight end from San Diego State, Daniel Bellinger, a safety from Iowa, Dane Belton. And there's a few picks here in the sixth and seventh rounds we won't dive into. But overall, guys, um, I think that draft for me, is an A. I love what they did. I think this new front office it flexed their muscle, and I think the Giants improved a lot in that draft class. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They got a they got ranked. I think from it, whether it was PFF or just overall, um, I think sixth best draft. Wow. Uh, in the in oh, the wow. NFL, so yeah, they did a really good job in the offseason shoring up some of their holes. Um, I don't know much about that cornerback at LSU, but you're taking a player, you know, out of the uh, the SEC. So yes. they're always playing ball. Yep. And obviously with their first two picks, when they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau, um, I felt like he kind of fell to them where he was at. And I remember texting you guys that night that that yep. was going to be a nightmare for Dak Prescott yep. and for Carson Wentz, who, who is now Washington's quarterback, and even Hurts. Yep. Um, they're they're going to get some pass rush. They're going to look good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the pass rush is really going to – it's going to have to be there um, because I think now that we've noticed the back end might struggle a little bit, have, maybe have some rookies back there. They, they can't afford time back there. they got to get in there within three to four seconds. Um, they got to disrupt, and I think with Wink Martindale, uh, you know, designing some new blitzes and getting some pressure up front, that's going to help them. But I, I just don't – I never know with the Giants, man. I don't know how healthy Blake Martinez is going to be at the backer position. I don't know if they have much depth at the backer possession. Um, so the, the defense, I, I think, is always going to be middle of the road. Um, but with the strength of schedule like it is, like we all have, I mean, 30, 31st uh, strength of schedule, I don't think there's too many great offenses going against us. So I, I definitely think that they'll dominate and dominate in certain games. Absolutely. I agree. Um, let's just run down. We've been going, uh, kind of dancing around their defensive players a little bit. Um, I'll just go through their starters on defense real quick, and then we can do the same thing on the offensive side of the ball after we discuss. 
Um, and, and guys, I think you'll agree after you hear these 11 names. This is this is a pretty good defense. Um, defensive end, Leonard Williams, absolute stud. Defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence. High draft pick out of Clemson a couple years ago. He's a monster. Obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be coming off the edge. Aziz Ojulari, he was a second-round pick out of Georgia last year. He really flashed. He had a handful of sacks. I think he's going to um, step up in year two and ascend even further. George, as you said, Blake Martinez, he's a little old and injury-prone at this point, but he is the heart and soul of the defense. Another linebacker they have is Tay Crowder. He makes plays from time to time. Now, this, guys, we have to discuss is, I believe, the weakness of the defense is the secondary. They have Adoree Jackson. They kind of overpaid for him, in my opinion. Um, he was a free agent that came over from the Titans last year. They lost Logan Ryan. Um they have uh, still in the cornerback room, Aaron Robinson, who I'm not even familiar with. And they have Cordell Flott, the corner from LSU, listed as a starter here. Um, Xavier McKinney, George, is a good safety for them. You said he had five interceptions last year. This is his third or fourth year out of Alabama. He's really come along. Um, and their other safety I'm not familiar with either. His name is Julian Love. So definitely some question marks on the Giants there, but I think the front seven is strong. I'm going to say that's probably actually the strength of the team. So overall, I'm not looking forward to playing this defense. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I mean, back to what I was saying, B, I, I think that they're going to be a good defense. I think that the, their strength of schedule is not the greatest. I think, in my opinion, um, they could be the best defense in the East if the commanders don't do what they can do. Sure. Uh, I don't see why they couldn't be looking at top to bottom against the boys and against Philly. Uh, they kind of fill all the, all the holes. If their defensive bass can step up, why not? I mean, their front seven is tough. Cave on is going to, you know, definitely get, give them some love on the edge. And uh, Leonard Williams has been what good for only like, I don't know, five, six, seven years consistently. So yeah. You could see three or four pro bowlers off that defense. Agreed. Absolutely. And I told Brian once in uh, in a recent conversation that, you know, in the offseason, when you're looking at acquisitions, whether it be the draft or whether it be uh, free agency, you know, the Cowboys and Washington, as far as defenses were concerned, were top were, were going into last year supposed to be top rated defenses. The Cowboys yes. finished as such. Um, so the Eagles and the Giants weren't terrible, but for them, there's nowhere to go but up, right? The Cowboys mm, lost yes. some players. Washington lost some players. But the Giants added, and and I think that, you know, they could definitely take a step up, and, and I agree with George. They probably won't be much better than a middle-of-the-road defense, but if you can get it done defensively, even with a, you know, a plus 15 defense, yes. they're going to be just fine. They've got playmakers there, and they've added some people. You know, there's some question marks, but if they play up uh, to their talent, they'll be just fine. For sure. I think, yeah, this, uh, this new coaching staff will be challenged to get some of these young guys ready to play uh, week one. Um, and I think a big part of this defense being um, possibly top 10 if, if, uh, if, if they exceed expectations is Daniel Jones not putting them with their heels on the goal line with the constant turnovers. So let's talk about Daniel's offense now. Obviously, he is listed as quarterback one. He's going to get every opportunity um, with Brian Dable's offense to prove that he is the franchise quarterback. Um, running back, Saquon Barkley. Guys, we know the story about Saquon. I mean, probably some of the most ridiculous tape we've ever seen come out of college. What he did at Penn Station um, over there for the Nittany Lions was nothing short of amazing. The guy's quads are, you know, something out of, out of a Greek god. Uh, but I question his durability. Uh, so every once in a while on 
our Instagram page, NFC underscore East underscore Feast, I will post a poll. I did one a couple months back asking if Saquon Barkley was a bust. And I was leaning towards yes, but I do believe it was like a 70-30 swing. Most people disagree with me and said no. Um, but something that is concerning for me, even if Saquon comes into this year healthy, is they lost Devontae Booker. He stepped in admirably for Saquon last year when he was hurt. I do believe they signed Matt Breida. He's a journeyman running back. But if Saquon goes down, that's a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones. The rest are off. Yeah. Go ahead, George. No, and, and and you're bringing up Saquon, and I honestly I think the biggest part of or the the most beneficial way the defense can be good this year is Saquon. Controlling the clock is going to have to be done by this offense because you know, like you said, Daniel Jones cannot turn the ball over, and and, and by relying on Saquon, it makes his life a lot easier. So I'd love to see Saquon even as a competitor with the Commanders. I'd love to see him put up a thousand yards and, and get back on track because let's be real, it was entertaining to watch that guy yeah an absolute freak athlete and to say that daniel jones could do it by himself it's just not gonna happen it won't i i think they do have a good receiving core but a lot of these guys are straight line runners they're not a lot of route runners on that team other than sterling Shepard. yeah so to see Kadarius tony freak athlete straight line speed sterling or not sterling but kenny galladay very similar uh, big athlete, uh, athlete kind of comparable to, to a Calvin Johnson. Yes. Just not nearly as good, obviously, last year. Um, so, and then obviously, uh, what's the last guy that we, we thought we liked? Uh, they, they have, I believe who you're referring to, George, is... I can't um, think of his name. He started there back-to-back -back years at receiver. Oh, God, dude, my name, that, that name totally... Slayton, Slayton. Darius oh, Slayton. 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 Great call. Yes. Another straight line kind of receiver. So we'll see, man. We'll see. But it's going to a lot be on uh, Saquon's shoulders, I think. Well, George, I have here, I'm looking at the Giants roster, um, and they have a star next to Darius Slayton's name. They're looking at him as a cap, as a possible um, cap casualty cut before training camp. Um, because right uh -huh. now, their top four receivers is listed are Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, and Wandale Robinson, the rookie from Kentucky, is already listed number four. Uh, so I yeah. think that Slayton may be the odd man out. And look for him. He's, He's a decent receiver. The Cowboys, bro. Get the, get the boys. Absolutely. He's familiar we with the division. Somebody. We yeah, we could certainly use him with uh, Michael Gallup, who's going to start the year on injured reserve. Um, but I just named, went through the receivers. Tight end. Um, they signed your boy uh, Ricky Seals Jones, guys, who who made plays um for the for the uh, Washington football team the past two years, and of course we went over um the tight end that they drafted out of San Diego State, Daniel Bellinger, um because they lost their top two tight ends from last year. They had Evan Ingram, who I don't think ever really lived up to expectations. He was a high draft pick. Jacksonville gave him um, a decent amount of money to go over there. Um, and they also had Kyle Rudolph, who's a veteran tight end. I'm not sure where he ended up landing, but they're going to have a whole new tight end room. So Daniel Jones is going to have to acclimate those guys into the offense. Um, their offensive line, which I thought last year was not just last year, the past few years was it their weakness got a lot better at left tackle. They will start Andrew Thomas. He was a top five pick out of Georgia a couple years ago. At one point, I considered him a bust. He has really come along, and he's actually a pretty good tackle now in this league. Their left guard, they're going to start the rookie, who I cannot pronounce his name, out of North Carolina, Joshua Izudu. Uh, center, they have John Feliciano. He's coming over with Joe Shane, with Brian Dable, um, with uh, everyone else from Buffalo, and, and moving um, to the other side of New York. He will be their center. Uh, at right guard, they will start Mark Lewinsky. 
They signed him, a free agent, from the Colts offensive line. Colts offensive line um, is a pretty rugged offensive line. He was the starting guard opposite of Quentin Nelson, so that's an immediate upgrade for them. And, of course, at right tackle, we went over. They drafted Evan Neal. I believe he steps right in. And uh, Andrew, Tom Andrew Thomas slips up. You never know. He might slide over to left tackle. But I think that Giants offense is better than I thought when I just sit here and name it out loud. How you guys feeling about it? Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they should be okay. I don't know um, how much better that offensive line can be, but True. I think with, with the addition of, uh, with Dable uh, as head coach, I don't know who their, um, you mentioned it earlier, Brian, but I don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be, but Kafka. I think that they can, yeah, Kafka. I think that regardless, they can overcome some of the, uh, any, any offensive line issues with quarterback Daniel Jones. Um, he does have a lot of those top speed guys, like you said, but that Wandale Robinson uh -huh. um, comps surprisingly a lot like Kadarius Tony. And I think Kadarius Tony um, and the two of them can make plays, not just in straight line speed. They are smaller body wide receivers, but with an addition like Ricky Seals Jones, uh, Seals Jones as a commander's fan, watching him the past couple of years, he's just a guy that doesn't necessarily have to be open. Um, yeah. he, he's a, he's a good uh, scramblers quarterback target. Um, you know, he can, he can make plays and, and get himself open, uh, second, second effort. So, um, I think we all hope, you know, at least from a fantasy standpoint that Saquon Barkley takes a step forward, but Please. if he, if he doesn't, I think we need to look to the, the, the giants making strides in the passing game this year. For sure. George, how about you? Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't get a running back in the draft, to be honest with yeah, you. Um, you would think that they at least, you know, maybe a second or third rounder to the fact that how many draft picks they had early on. But, I mean, I, I think this offense can be good with this new offensive line. I think they're taking probably the biggest step here, though, is the play caller. I think yes. the play caller here is going to make the biggest improvement with this offense. I don't think it's going to be any particular player. I think, Jared, you know, Jason Garrett just needed to get out. Uh, and, and I think they're going to have a good opportunity, you know, with with the with the new obviously the pre snap motions. I guess they're doing in training camp. Everyone's super excited about that. I don't know why. <laughs> I listen to a podcast, and they're like, "Yeah, they're doing all kinds of pre snap motions," and I'm like, "Okay." And um, probably because so. they're used to the elementary offense and constant <laughs> clapping of Jason Garrett. Let me speak as a Dallas Cowboys fan and say, get the hell out of my division and do not come back. <laughs> hey, good for Jason Garrett, good for Evan Ingram, and good for Deshaun Jackson, bro. They never really do too much throughout the year, but they always get paid. They make the pop. Um, so, so good for them. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I see them taking a step forward from last year. I just don't know how far Daniel Jones is going to get them there. Yeah. Understood. Well, how about this? We'll finish it up here um, as we always do in the team previews. I'm just going to run through their entire 18-week schedule. And at the end, we can all maybe give a little win-loss prediction on how we think the Giants season will end up. Week one, they are traveling to Tennessee. Not an easy way to open up the year against King Henry to face the Titans. Week two, they will be at home to face the Carolina Panthers. Week three, they travel to Dallas, and Monday night football, they'll be playing the Cowboys. Week four, they are back home to face the Chicago Bears. Week five, um, they are in Tottenham. So this is one of the um, 
uh, what, what am I trying to say? International games. Um, so they'll be outside of the country. This is a 9.30 a.m. start. So wake up and watch the Giants take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on October 9th. After that, they are back in New York to face the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll see if Wink Martindale can get some revenge on his former team. Week 7, they travel to Jacksonville to face the Jags. Week 8, man, there's oh they, they travel from Jacksonville. And then the, the next week, they fly all the way to Seattle. That is a lot of time in the air. Um, so week 8, they will face the Seahawks. Week 9, a much-needed buy. I understand why the NFL did that after all that traveling. Week 10... They are back home to face the Houston Texans. Week 11, they stay at home to face the Detroit Lions. Wow, they do have a shitty schedule, though. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of wild. Yeah. yeah, the timing of their schedule as I'm looking at it, and, and you read it, Brian. It's not, it's not bad. not pretty. Um, yeah. Week 12, this is Thanksgiving. They'll be playing the Dallas Cowboys on 430 on Thanksgiving. Week 13, they face the Washington Commanders. Week 14... They face the Philadelphia Eagles week 15. They're in Washington to face the commanders again. Now guys to pause for a second. You, I'm sure you remember when we did the commanders team preview, we talked about how the commanders will face the giants two times in a row on their schedule because they have a week 14 buy. So whereas you guys are going to get a break in week 14 before you get ready to play them again, they're going to have to get ready for Jalen hurts, AJ Brown and that potent Eagles offense. So I think that is a huge advantage for you. It's got to excite you as a commander's fan to see that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And and what I'm looking at here is they've got that game listed as a TBD. So they may flex that game because it's Sunday so night, maybe. Yeah, it's later in the it. season. They may flex that game depending on where uh, where each team lies. Uh, I can totally win loss category. OK, week 16, the, they are going to face Minnesota. They travel to Minnesota week 17. They're back home to take on the Colts. And they finish up the year, as we so often do in the NFC East, playing a divisional opponent. They will travel to the city of brotherly love to face the Eagles. So while the Cowboys and the Commanders are getting it on, the Eagles and the Giants are going to get it on. We'll see, as we often do say on the podcast, most likely all four of those teams are going to have some kind, so, something at stake there. One of them is going to be going maybe to clinch the division. Two of the other ones are maybe going to be fighting for a wild card. And the team that finishes in last is just going to be trying to play spoiler. Um, but as we go through that schedule, I'll start it off here. Um, it is one of the easier schedules in the NFL. I do think the Giants make huge strides this year, and I think Brian Dable brings the absolute best out of Daniel Jones. However, I'm going to guess Daniel Jones does not get rewarded a contract, and I'm going to say the Giants will finish 7-10. and 10. How about you guys? Well, actually, hold on, Brian. I don't remember. Did you answer the question of the over-under? with Under, uh, under Tyrod, five You games. did take the under, yes. okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I wanted to ask you guys a quick question, sure. just like going through these schedules, knowing the strength of schedule as you know for the East as a whole. Do you think there's two 10-win teams in this division? No. I don't okay. either. Okay. I don't either. But I do say I will say the second place team in this division is at least eight wins, possibly nine. I think that the team that wins will be just at 10. There's not going to be a 12-win team like the Cowboys last year. That was a fluke. There will be one 10-win team that will win the division, and the second-place team will compete for a, that maybe that final wild-card spot. I will put them at about eight and a half, nine wins. Yeah. Um, I think there will be, man. Wow. I, I think it's kind of a hot take, but I like it. I, I think the what the Cowboys have to accomplish and the pressure they have on – 
you know, on them. And I think with the commanders, I think those are probably the top teams, but then I think of Philly and then I yes. think of New York and I'm, I'm just like with the schedule. I mean, the last four games for New York, yeah, they're, I guess they're the toughest part of the schedule, but it's the Vikings and the Colts they're worried about, man. True. I mean, they're playing Jacksonville, they're playing the Lions, they're playing <laughs> the Bears and they're playing all of us. Yes. I, I, I think there's a good possibility that there could be two ten win teams, but uh, like you said, like the question was, you know, what the record was for the end of the year. I think that there are, I think they can make it to eight wins. I think okay. they can be an eight and nine t- team. I think that they probably will be the last in this division, but I think they're going to be very competitive and they're really going to look forward to the, to the year after in 2023. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that two teams make it to 10 wins, but I would be willing to bet that, three teams make it over eight wins. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think with the strength of schedule, I think that there are, um, there are wins to be had in the NFC East outside of the division. Um, I think that uh, the Eagles are already primed to do so with the, with the addition that, that they made. I think the Cowboys, even though they lost some stuff, they should still be a decent team. And as a commander's fan, I hope that we win 10 games, mm-hmm. but I will say, out of the four teams in the division, if there's a team I think is on the outside of that eight win category, I, I think it's the Giants. I think it's yeah, I think they have a lot of growth that they need to do this offseason. Um, I think this is a uh, a recharge season for them, maybe yeah. not a rebuild season for them. If they doubled their wins and hit eight games, hit eight wins, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I I'm predicting seven wins for the Giants. I like that, John. I, I like how you, how you use that as a recharge here because I, I think Brian Dable will recharge that team with some energy. And obviously, he has the longest leash here. If Ron Rivera, um, Nick Sirianni, or, of course, Mike McCarthy, I think, is on the hottest seat, if they struggle, they could lose their jobs at some point this season. I think Brian Dable is safe and that this new regime is going to um, give him a long leash. And I think, they, as you said, John, this team has the biggest learning curve. You know, with so many new pieces, especially um, the ones that are actually going to be calling the plays, expectations will be a little bit low, lower. But I think what we did today, guys, I think this will be the hardest team preview. We all kind of had to learn a little bit about the New York Giants. But yeah. I, I like what I saw. I don't think this is a bad team. I think there's a lot worse teams out there. Um, maybe just not in the NFC East because this is a very competitive division. Um, but this was great, fellas. I appreciate you guys. Um We'll be back next month. We'll do the Eagles next month. I think that'll be fun because a lot of a lot of energy coming out of Philadelphia with with a lot of the additions they've got. And then we'll finish it up here at the end of the summer with the Cowboys. George, any final thoughts from you on the G-Man? No, man. Honestly, I, I just want to apologize for the people listening. I know our energy is pretty low on the Giants right now because we <laughs> <laughs> have a lot, dude. I'm there. I'm just mumbling over my words. I'm like, oh, man. But yeah, it's the Giants are always kind of tough to talk about. And I know we have some fans listening to us right now that are, are big G-Man supporters. And, you know, good for y'all, bro. You guys have struggled almost as much as that me and John has. And, uh, and of course, B. Wills. We're all in this together, y'all. It's just y'all aren't that sexy to talk about. And I apologize. Yeah, hey. absolutely. <laughs> not not sexy to talk about. You know, but I always think back to, uh, to kind of, uh, and I think this is where you guys' mindset was in starting the podcast, was that we had so many friends growing up that were fans of different NFC East teams. Yep. And for whatever reason, the Giants were just always the team I hated the least. You know, <laughs> right. like you have, you, have, you have that fire against the Cowboys if you're yes. a Washington fan, vice versa. Yeah. And then also yeah. the Cowboys, I know they hate the Eagles. 
Eagles. Yes, we do. They've been competitive year in and year out, uh, and they've been the the testament to uh, the Cowboys, whether or not they do well or not. Uh, the only person I can think of back in the day is our boy John Bettenker, middle school John. I remember that was John. a Giants fan. I mean, that's a that's a throwback. Throwback to fans of the Giants, you know, in this podcast. Uh, you guys aren't very sexy, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you guys put up some competition this year. Hang in there, guys. But you know what? As, as much as we want to be like, hey, Giants fans, hang in there. They're laughing at us. They're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Anderson Cowboys? We've won two Super Bowls. We beat right. Tom Brady twice. You guys yeah. haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s, the 80s. <laughs> yeah, so, so, they're, so they, they pity us. So shout out yeah. to the G-Men. Shout out to you boys as always. I appreciate it, and I cannot wait to come back here in a few weeks and do the Eagles team preview. Thank you all for listening, as always, to the NFC East. Peace. Peace.